Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great. So good to be here this morning, Ray of Hope Church. My name is Jason Ferris, and I'm filling in for Pastor Mike this morning. It's always an honor to share God's Word with you. Um, before we get started this morning, as many of you guys go ahead and have a seat. As many of you know, Hurricane Irma is bearing down on southwestern Florida right now. Key West and the southern tip of Florida is just getting hammered. And many of you may have friends or family there. And we all have a friend there, Pastor Craig and his wife Sarah. They moved there this year to plant the Abbey Church. And they, I've talked to him yesterday and I talked to him this morning. They're doing fine. They boarded up their house. They went somewhere safe. But I just want to take a second. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for all our friends and family and everybody in Florida. Does that sound good? Bow your heads. Father, we thank, thank you so much that you're a merciful and gracious God. And in the middle of the storm, you protect us. You shelter us with your wings. We pray for the safety of everyone in Florida, our friends and family, especially pastors Craig and Sarah there in the Abbey Church. And we pray that in the aftermath of this hurricane, that all of the churches of Florida would step up to the plate. It's a great opportunity to show your love to the people in the communities. We pray in Jesus' great name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Mike wore his OU shirt representing the South, and so I thought it was only fair this week that I represent the North. And some of you already... All right. Some of you informed me that it was the wrong shirt, but since it's Sunday, you agreed that we'd get along, right? You know, there was this OSU fan, and he just loved to torture and scare OU fans. And so this OSU fan, when he would be driving down the road, and he saw an OU fan wearing their crimson and cream walking down the sidewalk. What he would do is he would swerve his car over like he was going to hit him. And at the very last minute, he'd swerve back just to scare him. He did this all the time. But one day he's driving down the road. He's thinking about how he's been acting and how maybe he should straighten up. And then he sees a priest walking on the sidewalk. He's like, here's my chance to do a good deed. So he pulls over and he asks the priest, he said, where are you headed? He said, well, I'm headed to Mass at the church. He said, well, how far is it? He said, it's about five miles down the road. He said, well, get in. I'll give you a ride. Well, he's feeling real good about himself. He's doing his good deed, and he's taking the priest to church. The priest is sitting in the back seat. And as he's going to the church, he sees an OU fan wearing the crimson and cream walking down the sidewalk. Well, it's just habit. It's instinct. He swerves over there like he's going to hit the OU fan. At the very last minute, he swerves back. Well, he heard kind of a noise. He's, he knows he didn't hit the OU fan. And so he looked in the mirror just to make sure he's okay, and he sees the priest. He forgot he was in the back seat. He says, oh, Father, I'm so sorry that I tried to hit that OU fan. The priest said, don't worry about it. I got him with the door. <laughs> oh, come on. It's a joke. It's a joke, right? So last week... Pastor Mike kicked off our series, Game On. He talked about the game plan of God. God has a plan for your life. And he said there were three things we need to know. We needed to get on track with God's plan for our life, right? And we need to set some goals. And we have to be willing to face adversity. How many of you know when you're in the game of life, or any game, eventually you're going to face some adversity? And what is one of the most important things 
that we need when we're in the middle of that adversity. You know what it is? It's encouragement. We need a cheerleader. And so today we're going to talk about cheerleading. And I didn't go to Oklahoma State University. I actually graduated from Oklahoma Baptist University many, many years ago. But I'm representing uh, the colors of Oklahoma State today because my brother, my youngest brother, who's actually 11 years older than I am, he went to OSU. And he was actually on a team at OSU that won the national championship. He has a national championship ring, which is something that I don't have. The only thing I was ever a champion in was intramural racquetball. But I used to give him a hard time about his ring because it wasn't in football. He was on a national championship team in 1988. Who knows what OSU might have won a national championship in in 1988? Rodeo, and they may have, somebody said wrestling. They have a lot of good teams, but in 1988, he was on the OSU National Championship Spirit Squad. He was a cheerleader at OSU. And I used to give him a hard time about it when we get together and people be talking, and I'd say, hey, do you know my brother? He's a national championship. He's got a championship ring. I'm like, Kelly, go get your ring and show it to everybody. And they like, man, and he's a pretty big, stocky guy. He's like, man, I know you played football. And I was like, no, it's for cheerleading. I used to give him a hard time, but honest to God, I just gave him a hard time because I didn't have any national championship rings. And if you've ever seen those male cheerleaders, I mean, they've got big old guns. They're strong. They can do all kinds of backflips and stuff that I have no physical ability to do. But I used to give him a hard time about it. Uh, but I wasn't able to do any of that. Uh, but I found out as I was studying the history of cheerleading that Cheerleading actually started out as an all-male sport. Did anybody know that? Cheerleading started out as an all-male sport. As a matter of fact, it didn't change until about in the 1940s when all the men had to go to war. It was World War II. The middle, we're in the middle of World War II. All the men off to war. And the women came in and took over cheerleading. And just like with everything else, they did it so much better than we did. And when we came, the men came back, they didn't get to come back and be cheerleaders very much, right? Man, I didn't get a very good amen from the women at the 8.30 service either. Come on. I said you did it better than us. But the very first cheerleader was a guy named Johnny Campbell at the University of Minnesota, November 2nd, 1898. They asked him to get out and lead the crowd and cheering on the football team. And he did. He was the very first cheerleader. It was an all-male sport for a long time. So if you know any Male cheerleaders, don't give them a hard time. They got a tough job. It's tough encouraging people sometimes. They got to be strong. They got to be athletic. And so, as we get into this message, I thought it'd be good if we talk about what is the purpose of cheerleading. We need to know what we got to be cheerleaders for, right? We got to stir up team spirit. That's a, one of the purposes of cheerleading. Promote the team, and this happens on and off the field, right? Cheerleaders promote the team. They encourage the players during the game, right? And then they motivate the crowd to cheer on the team. Because sometimes I think at some of the sporting events, if the cheerleaders weren't there to motivate the crowd to cheer on the team, all we would hear is those like three or four psycho parents that like to yell at their kids. <laughs> you missed the block! Come on! That's all you'd hear. This is mad parents, right? We've got to have the cheerleaders to get them encouraged, right? Because as a group... You know, we can really encourage the team. If there's a couple of us yelling at our kids, it's not going to really encourage them that much, right? And we don't, we have some requirements to be a cheerleader. I mean, obviously, in real life, cheerleaders need to be athletic. But what do you think the most important requirement is to be a cheerleader? Is it to be able to jump and do flips or 
say cheers. It's the enthusiasm, right? It's to be cheery, right? We don't want Eeyore out there with some pom-poms, right? Y'all know Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Go team. Defense. Good job. I mean, that's not going to get anybody excited, right? We don't want Eeyore. The most important requirement to be a cheerleader is to be cheery. You got to be cheery, right? Because you can't give away something that you don't have. Can't give away something that you don't have. If I wanted to give Jim a hundred bucks, I can't because I don't have it. Right? I can want to all day long, but if I don't have it, I can't give it to him. If I'm not encouraged and cheery, how am I going to encourage somebody else? Right? You can't give away what you don't have, so we've got to be cheery. So what do we do whenever we know we need and I'm going to show you later in the message, and I did it this way on purpose. I'm going to show you that God wants us all to be encouragers and cheerleaders, and it's encouraging each other is really important. But what do we do when we're in the middle of adversity, we're discouraged, we're not encouraged, we're discouraged. How do we get encouraged? Do we just sit around and wait for somebody else to come encourage us? You know what's going to happen? You're going to be sitting around, oh poor me, nobody, nobody loves me, I guess. Nobody likes me, I guess. I don't have any friends. And you're just going to talk yourself into being more discouraged. You can't sit around and wait for somebody else. You know what you got to do? You've got to encourage yourself. And in fact, there's a great story about a guy that encouraged himself, a guy that many of you probably have heard of. His name was David. And if you'll look at 1 Samuel chapter 30, what's going on is David and his warriors have been off fighting. They come back to their camp, and lo and behold, somebody, some of their enemies have come in, and they have taken all of their wives and their children. Everybody is gone. Okay, David and his men, they don't know where they're at. They don't know who took them. They don't know if they're dead or alive. All they know is everybody's gone. And his men become so distressed and upset about this that they, they decide they want to kill him. As a matter of fact, let's look at the verse. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. These are his warriors, his men that followed him. He was their leader. And now they're picking up rocks and they're going to kill him. I would say greatly distressed might be an understatement, don't you? I think I'd be a little more than greatly distressed. It says, because the soul of all the people, as all of his men, was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now, ladies, I didn't write this, so don't get upset. I don't know why it just says sons and daughters, because they took the wives too. They must have been really nagging their husbands. I don't know. <laughs> but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. You know, he could have said, don't up his hands like, this is it. My men hate me. All the women and children got taken. They probably got killed. Who knows what happened to them? It's the end of my life. I'm never going to be king like I'm supposed to be. Samuel anointed me, but it's just not going to happen, I guess. He could have just laid over. They probably would have stoned him and killed him. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know what happened? He rallied his men together. They went and found the women and children. They hadn't killed them. They actually got them back and they got all the loot from the people that took them. They got everything back and more because David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So important that we encourage ourselves. So I want to show you a video real quick. It's a little girl. Her name is Jessica. And at the time of this video, she was about four years old. I think she can teach all of us a little something about encouraging ourselves. Let's watch it.
Isn't that a cute little girl? I like my whole house. I can do anything good. I mean, the last part, I can do anything better than anybody. We might be careful who we say that around. But she was definitely encouraging herself, right? I think we can all take a little wisdom from that cute video. And what if we woke up every day and looked ourselves eye to eye in the mirror and confessed what God says about us? If we encouraged ourselves in the Lord, just think about how different our day would be. If we got up and looked ourselves in the mirror and said, I am a child of God. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I have favor with God and man. I am saved, healed, and delivered. What if we confess that to ourselves every day? The very beginning of the day. How much different would our day be? Instead of looking ourselves in the mirror on Monday thinking, oh, it's terrible. So tired from the weekend. That's Monday. Monday's always terrible. And then there's Tuesday. It's worse. And then... God, I can't wait till we get to Friday, if I ever make it. You know, you, you, I guarantee you're probably not going to have a great week. You just confessed it, right? We can't sit around moping and hoping and wishing and whining and waiting for someone else to encourage us. If we're discouraged, we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Say what God says about you. He says some awesome things about you. We don't encourage ourselves, we're going to speak death over ourselves because we're, it's almost innate, in our natural self, we speak death and discouragement. Without the Spirit of God, we can't speak life, but our words, the Bible says, have the power of life and death. So you're speaking one or the other all the time. You're going to speak life over yourself or you're going to speak death. I think we should speak life over ourselves. Write this down. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. It's the first thing if you're taking notes. So I told you I was going to tell you that I knew encouragement was important, that God wants us to encourage each other also. We've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's look at what Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. It's on the screen. When we arrived in Macedonia, this is Paul and his team, there was no rest for us. It means they're worn smooth out. You ever felt that way? You'd be worn smooth out? We face conflict from every direction. With battles on the outside and fear on the inside. He's like, man, we're in the middle of a storm. There's battles on the outside and there's fear on the inside in our hearts. But God. Everybody say, but God. I love it when I see but God in the scripture because that means something awesome is about to happen. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. He didn't say, but God who encourages those who are discouraged when he feels like it. He didn't say God encourages those who are discouraged sometimes. He didn't say God encourages those who are discouraged. So if you came discouraged today, I want you to know God wants to encourage you. He is an encouraging God. You know, he could have come himself and encouraged Paul and his team, right? He could have sent an angel, which he had done before, to encourage Paul. Guess what he did? He sent Titus. He wants to use you and me to encourage each other. You know, whenever you go out for football or any sport, you don't go out for that sport and go through all the practices of two-a-days, three-a-days, or whatever, in pads, sweating in the Oklahoma heat because you want to sit on the bench, right? 
You don't go out and do all that practicing to sit on the bench and not play. You want to play, right? When we get in the game for God, when we get on the kingdom team, we shouldn't want to sit on the bench. God's got a spot for all of us, and we need to be on the team encouraging one another. As a matter of fact, Paul, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, towards the end, he's telling the church in Ephesus how they will be different as new creations in Christ. Whenever you put your faith in Jesus, he makes you a new creation. That's what the Word says. He says, as a new creation in Christ, you're going to be different. And this is one of the ways, he says. Chapter 4, verse 29. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that's another word for encouragement, that it may impart grace to the hearers. This word corrupt means rotten, putrid, and worthless. Think of some nasty, rotten something in the back of your refrigerator. That's the word picture here. Let nothing rotten or putrid or worthless come out of your mouth. As a believer, that's how we should be. Let nothing like that, but what is good for necessary edification or encouragement. He says, everything you say should be encouraging to others. Why? Because it will impart grace to the hearers. You know, we get discouraged when we're not doing well. If we're doing really good, we're usually not discouraged. It's when we're not doing well or when we failed or when we feel like we failed. You know, your feelings aren't wrong, but they're not always telling you the truth. Did you know that? It's when we get that way that we need the grace of God imparted to us. You know what grace is? It's undeserved, unmerited favor of God. It's in that moment when we don't feel like we deserve it that we need the grace, right? We need grace all the time. That's why it imparts grace when you encourage somebody when they're discouraged because they're already feeling bad. They're already feeling like they're not good enough, like they're a failure, like nothing's going right in their life. And when you encourage them, it imparts grace, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God to that person. If you're taking notes, we need to encourage each other. Right? The first thing we learn, we've got to encourage ourselves. Second thing, we need to encourage each other. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 3 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily. It's every day. As long as it's called today, so that none of you and he says it again, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Well, if you look what's going on in the verses prior to verse 13, it's talking about when the Israelites, whenever God delivered them from Egyptian captivity, Moses, God used Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt. You know, they went through the Red Sea. They go across the desert. It doesn't take them very long to get to the promised land the first time. So they get there. Hasn't been very long. God's already told them, he says, you're going to the land I have given you. He'd already given it to them. They hadn't even got it yet. But he said he'd already given it to them. So they get there and they send out 12 spies to go spy out the land and see what its inhabitants are like, see what it's like. Well, the 12 spies come back and Joshua and Caleb, two of them, said, man, this place is unbelievable. He said, man, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. This, the ground is fertile. It's awesome. There's grapes the size of basketballs. But there were ten other guys. You know what they said? They said, man, these, these cities are fortified. They got big walls. It's like, I don't think we can defend. The people that live there are giants. We're like little bitty grasshoppers compared to them. You know what happened? The voices of discouragement were greater 
than the voices of encouragement. And because of that, because the people's hearts were hardened, God had already delivered them out of Egypt. They saw all ten of those plagues and God took them through the Red Sea and they still couldn't believe that He had given them the land. They believed the voices of discouragement, those ten spies, and because of that they wandered around in the wilderness whenever God had already given them that land. They wandered for 40 more years. Just think how different it would have been if those other ten voices had been encouraging. Encouragement is so, so important. So how do we do it? How do we encourage each other? Well, I'm glad that you asked because we're going to talk about it. And this is something that's so simple. And whenever I learned it several years ago, I tried to make a practice of it. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good about somebody, say it. Tell them. Don't just, it doesn't encourage anybody if it stays in your head. You ever thought about saying, man, they're a really good friend, or man, they're a really nice guy, or they, you know, whatever it is, but you just kept it to yourself. I know I've done that. But if you think something good, say it. Have you ever been really down, discouraged? You felt like there's no light at the end of this tunnel. Everything in life's going bad, and all of a sudden the phone rings. And somebody, one of your friends calling, hey, how you doing? Jason, you've been doing all right? He's been on my mind. Just want you to know you're a good friend. Or they send you a text. Or you're at Walmart, which is kind of a discouraging just to go sometimes, right? But you bump into somebody, and you just have a good conversation, and you leave encouraged. Did you know that it could have been that God, who encourages those who are discouraged, sent that person to encourage you? How many times have you had somebody on your mind, maybe God was wanting to let you get to be that person that encourages someone else? If you think something good, we need to say it, right? We, let's not miss an opportunity to encourage someone. As a matter of fact, that one of the most discouraging times in my life, where I, I mean, I really, there was, I couldn't even see the tunnel, it was so dark. I, there wasn't no light at the end of it at all. I felt terrible. I felt like everything was a failure. God sent a man by the name of Tracy Yates. He's still a good friend of mine. He mentored me. And he met with me every week for like a year and a half. And we don't meet that often anymore. He lives in Edmond. But every week, this guy. And he's one of those guys. I mean, after I talked to him for an hour or two, I felt like I could do anything. You know? I could play pro football. I could build my own spaceship and fly it to the moon. I mean, that's how good I mean, you just... You feel encouraged. I know that I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be here sharing God's Word with you today if it hadn't been for Tracy Yates. So when I was preparing this message, I thought about him. So you know what I did? I sent him a message. I said, man, I just appreciate you so much. I said, if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't even be preaching this message that I'm going to share on Sunday. You know what I didn't know? What I didn't know is that he's been feeling overwhelmed. He owns his own business. He's trying to add new employees and grow the business. And He's got young kids and everything is so busy and he was just feeling kind of overwhelmed and it encouraged him to know that he had been an encouragement to me. All you got to do is just say it. When you think something good, say it. You never know how you're going to impact somebody when you share something that you're thinking. God, just like he sent Titus to encourage Paul, he may want to use you to encourage 
somebody else. Now there's an important element of encouragement that our technologically advanced society is beginning to lose. And I just said technology is great. I use technology to send an encouraging message to my friend Tracy, right? But there's an important element to encouragement that we are beginning to lose, and it's called fellowship. Fellowship is when we get together in person. When we get together and we can see each other face to face, eye to eye, see our body language, which is the majority of our communication anyway. Sometimes we kind of can hide behind technology. We, we can be on Facebook, we can be on our text, whatever, and we lose that important element. You know, I was at a, a conference a while back and they made us do an exercise and I'm sitting by somebody I don't even know and they're like, okay, you're, whoever you're sitting by is your partner, partner up, you're going to do this exercise. Well, you had to stare at them right in the eyeballs for 60 seconds. And at first I thought, ah, that's not too bad. It was forever. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the most uncomfortable. You, you realize, man, I don't look at somebody in the eyes that long hardly ever. I think we're missing something because whenever you can sit down and look somebody right in the eyes and tell them, hey, you're awesome, and you did a great job, or I really appreciate you, and you're looking at them in the eye, man, it just, man, it can't help but encourage that person. There's something about fellowship, being together, that is so important for encouragement. If you look in Romans chapter 1, Paul says it this way to the Romans. He says, for I long to visit you. He wants to visit them so bad. So that I can bring you a spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, when we get together, when we're face to face, when we're fellowship, I want to encourage you in your faith but I also want to be encouraged by yours. He's saying when we get together, it's going to be mutually encouraging. I want to encourage you, but you're going to encourage me by what the Lord's doing in your life. When we get together and we share what God's doing, it's mutually encouraging. I hope it's mutually encouraging today for us that we're all here. I hope that I encourage you and I hope that you can encourage me and we can encourage each other. Have you ever woke up on a Sunday morning thought, man, I got to bed late. My joints are kind of hurting. I think maybe I'll just skip church and stay home this morning. Now, I've, I'm sure you all are so holy, y'all have never done that. But there's been a time or two where I'm like, I think I'm just going to stay home. Or I got other stuff to do. Then I get to thinking, well, man, somebody's probably going to call me and ask me where I was at. And then I'm going to have to lie because I can't just skip church. So I get to feeling guilty. Well, I don't want to have to. This is going to be a big mess. I'm going to tell lies. So I'm just going to go. And then you go, and then you end up getting encouraged. Has anybody ever done that? You ever felt discouraged when you woke up? But when you came to church, guess what happened? You got encouraged because when we meet together, when we fellowship together, it's mutually encouraging. It's so important that we meet together regularly. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. He says, Let us think of ways to motivate, that's to encourage, one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. So, I mean, we've got to meet together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. 
You know, that was written some, you know, 2,000 years ago. How much more near are we are to the day of his return now than we were then? How much more important is it now that we meet together because we encourage one another to love and good works, to display the character of Christ, the love of Christ, the grace of our God to our communities and those around us. When we meet together, we encourage each other mutually to do that. Right? It's important that we meet together in church. It's important that we meet together in Bible studies. It's important that we meet together in connect groups. It's important that we meet together, have breakfast or coffee. My friend Billy, he's always calling me up, inviting me to come have breakfast or coffee. Man, it's just mutually encouraging. It doesn't have to be here at the church. Let's not neglect our meeting together. Let's encourage one another to love and good works. All of us need encouragement, right? I know I need it. And I'm pretty sure that you need it. We all need encouragement. So what we learned so far, we learned we need to encourage ourselves, right? And we need to encourage others. So as I was preparing for this message, the scientific, analytical side of me always comes out a little bit. My degree's in biology, so I like to look at research. I knew somebody had probably done some research about how encouragement affects the performance of athletes. And sure enough, there was a study in the Journal of Sports Science 2002. And what they did is they took some athletes, they put them on a treadmill, like, go till you give plum out. And there was a control group that they had to get on the treadmill and go. There was no, there was somebody there monitoring, taking notes, not saying a word, not clapping, not doing anything. Then there was a group that every 120 seconds, they say, oh man, you're doing good, good job, little encouragement. There was a group every 60 seconds getting in a little bit of current. Good job, you can do it, come on. Then there was a group every 20 seconds got verbal affirmation and encouragement. Guess what? The results of that study showed that frequent verbal encouragement leads to significantly greater maximum effort than when no encouragement was given or when encouragement was infrequent. Significantly greater Maximum effort than when no encouragement was given or when the encouragement was infrequent. Parents, have you ever felt like your children are not living up to their maximum potential? Wives, have you ever felt like your husband isn't all that he could be? Husbands? You ever felt like your wife had more potential in her than what she shows? What about your employees or your co-workers or your friends or even the people that you go to church with? They ever felt like there was more in them than what you see on the surface? Could it be that none of us can reach our maximum potential without each other's encouragement? Could it be I think we can make a really strong argument that we'll never accomplish all that God set out for us to accomplish for the kingdom of God if we don't encourage each other. We'll never reach our maximum potential because you know why? God didn't create us to do it alone. He created us to be in a community called the church. Not the building or the organization, but the body of Christ all working together, all using our gifts, encouraging one another to share 
the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't do it without each other. So what are we going to do? If we think something good, we're going to say it. Do it right then. You'll forget later. I know it happens to me. If you think something good, say it. And don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. It's always mutually encouraging when we meet together and study God's Word. I want you to bow your heads as we begin to wrap this up. I know in a group this size, there are many of you that came in today and you're discouraged in some area of your life. Maybe you're discouraged relationally. Maybe your marriage isn't going so great. Maybe your kids aren't going down the path that you hope they would. Maybe you're struggling in your finances or you've lost your job. You can't find a job. Maybe you've got medical bills piling up or you've got a, a bad report from the doctor about your health. Maybe you just don't feel good or you don't like the way you look. You're discouraged. I want you to know that I serve a God who encourages those who are discouraged. If you're here today and you want prayer because you're discouraged in some area of your life, I just want you to lift up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. Just lift them up. Yeah, I see your hands over here. Hands in the back. Just hands up all over the room. And you don't have to leave here today discouraged. He's an encouraging God. He loves you. He cherishes you. He thinks amazing, almost unbelievable things about you. They're so positive, so encouraging, and He wants you to know. So if you raise your hand today, I want everybody to look up here. What we're going to do is we're going to have some time of prayer right down here at the altar. If you raise your hand, you're discouraged in any area of your life. Don't be embarrassed. I want you to come on down right now. We've got some leaders that are going to be up here to pray with you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.